you have your Bibles, put them up, hold them up above your head. Wave them around, give the devil a headache. Excedrin headache number 611. And say, this is my Bible. It's God's word to me. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. And I am what it says I am. Today I'm a believer. Therefore, I'm a receiver. And I do believe that I will receive absolutely everything, absolutely everything that God has for me tonight. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, say amen. Amen. You may be seated. Good to see you tonight. You look lovely. God looks good on you and in you. Thank you for the one amen. I'm going to Colossians chapter 1. Anybody excited about Colossians tonight? We ought to be excited when we open the Word of God and get the words of God. The Word of God is alive, powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. And we believe that the Word is alive. We believe that it has life. We believe that it has life for our situation, for our circumstance. And that in a minute, in a moment, in a second, things can change because of the Word of God. And so that, as we, as we believe that today, I declare that faith arises in your heart tonight. And that you walk out of here different. You walk out of here at a new level. Say new level. Turn to your neighbor and say, you better walk out of here at a new level. Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthen with all might, according to His glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering. With joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Now I want to focus in on, we're talking about walking with God. And at the first, first of verse 10, it says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. Now if you turn over to Hebrews chapter 11, the Hall of Faith chapter, Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 6, read it with me together, ready, read. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. So we're to walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. And so we are to walk a walk of faith. We're to live a life of faith. And so it goes on to say, for he who comes to God must believe that He is. And that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But let's look back in verse 5. It says, By faith Enoch was taken, so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. So we're to walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. Verse six, Verse 5 says that Enoch pleased God, and then it says, But... 
Without faith, it's impossible to please him. So that tells me that if you're walking and living a life of faith, then it's pleasing to God. But without faith, it's impossible to please him because we must believe in who God is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Let's go over to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. We're talking about walking with God. Verse 4. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in this newness of life. So this is a new way of living. It's completely different. It's contrary to what the world would, how the world lives or what the world would say or how the world would act. It's a life that we say, God, I believe in you and in your ways. Matthew chapter 6 and the Amplified says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. So God's got a way and the world's got a way. And so The Bible tells us that we're to walk in the ways of God. It's a new way to walk. And so when we come to church and when we get in the word and when we pray and in this process that we go through as Christians, it's, it's building our way of walking. When when I was in high school, I was a good basketball player and uh, I was at a Christian school Well, the Christian school was uh, shutting down because there just wasn't enough students and well, I played on the basketball team at the Christian school. We won the state championship my freshman year. Uh, I had 28 points in the championship game, including seven three-pointers. I, the, the older I get, the better I was. And, uh, but but when, I, when I transferred over, because uh, the, the local high school is a one high school town, and uh, there was about 2,000 kids, so it was a big school. And uh, when I transferred over there, that coach had come watch me play and things like that. Well, it was another level of play that I wasn't used to. And now I'm not, uh, don't, don't anybody get offended or take this the wrong way, but I was the only white kid on the basketball team. And so the, the pace of play was different. It was faster. Kids were faster and I was slower. And there, that, that was just the facts. And so when I, when I, the more I got around them and the more I played and the more that I practiced, I got better at it. And in fact, I was so slow. <laughs> How slow were you? Uh, I was so slow that my coach says to me, he says, Eric, I don't ever want you to dribble. <laughs> when you catch the ball, just shoot it. Because I, I start dribbling, they just take it from me. And so I, I would, uh, the, the, more, the more I hung around them, you know, you spend a lot of time together as a team. You grow. If you ever played team sports, anybody played sports in here? Then, then you grow as a team. You, you come together. You gel. Well, I, I became one of them, and they loved me. There was no race. There was no boundaries where that was concerned as far as the team goes. Now, once you got outside of the team, yeah, there was all of that. But inside the team, we were just one. And so, <laughs> this is kind of funny, but, well, I, I hung around them. Well, you know, I would, they, you know, I'd carry them home and things like that. Uh, I was like one of three kids that drove. 
And they would say, Eric, you drove? I said, yeah, I drove. Can you give me a ride home? Yeah, I'll give you a ride. And so they, there, was a, there was a unique way that, that some of them would walk. They had rhythm. I didn't. <laughs> you saying you have rhythm? <laughs> But, but, I, but I would see, and it, and it was like they would walk with, you know, a, a, little, a, a, little bit, a little bit of swag, you know. And so I, so I learned, I, I, so I, I was like, man, I kind of like this. This is kind of, and I, I, I felt like I was cool because I, you know, I, and then I would walk like that. And then, now don't get, don't get offended. I'm just having fun. I'm going to prove a point here. I would, I would walk like that, and then the white people would say, what, why are you walking like that? Did you hurt your ankle? <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm, I'm being cool. I'm, I'm like, I'm, it's, it's, the thing is, it's like, <laughs> the, more, the more that I, that I did it, the better I got at it. And so this is what this life of faith is like. It's the more we practice it, the more that we practice faith and the more that we learn and we get into it. And then, and then what happens is you come to Sunday, your faith grows, your faith builds, and then you go to work on Monday and people are like, what, why are you so, why are you so excited? Why are you so happy? It's Monday. Don't you know that nobody's supposed to be happy on Monday? (laughs) Stuff like that. But, but see, to a Christian, we're no respecter of days. This is how we walk every day. It says that we have this joy and it just comes out. You can see it. You can see it on us because the light that's in us is shining through us. And so we get better at this. And so then we learn, hey, I, can, I don't have to let that person on Monday mess with my walk. What'd you, what'd you hurt your ankle? What's got into you? You better than us. Right? And so that's what it's talking about. Walking. In this newness of life. This is, this is life. When we became a Christian, when, when we got saved, when we got born again, we got the very life of God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we get the life of God on the inside of us. God is living, breathing on the inside of us, going with us everywhere we go. Amen. And Nikki uh, preached who you with. And I'm trying to tell her how to say this. She, she's like, you know, I want to say who you with, like who, like who you with, who you with, you know. And I say, wait. And she would be like, who you with? <laughs> and I was like, that's not how you say it. You just say it, who you with, you know, who you with. She's like, who you with? I was like, you're not hearing what I'm saying. And so I called Vic up. I was like, Vic, how do you say who you with? He's like, who you with? See, did you hear how Vic said it? But just like we got to be with God, guess what? God's with us. So in the same way, it's a two-way street. We know that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And that he is with us everywhere we go. And so we, we walk into a room, we carry the life of God, the joy of the Lord, the strength of God, the healing of God. We carry this everywhere we go. We are, we are carriers of the anointing of God. And so this is the life that we live. And it's exciting. And it's new every day. It's not, hey, hey, I've been a Christian 35. Well, you know, brother, I've been walking this walk for 35 years. 
Well, it sounds to me like you've lost some of the newness that we're supposed to walk in every day and get our strength from God every day. So walk in this newness of life. And the reason this is important, especially in the day that we live in, is Luke chapter 18 and verse 8, Jesus says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? And so we're living in a day where Satan is trying to steal faith from people. Because if he can take your faith and cause you to be powerless, because without faith it's impossible to please God, without faith you can't receive anything from God. And so we have to believe God. We have to believe His Word. We have to believe His people that He appoints over us and, what, and the, the things that they give us to help us. And this is what Jesus is saying. And the reason why is because the Bible tells us that in the last days that the love of many will wax cold or grow cold because lawlessness will abound, because people want to do what they want to do. Well, doing what you want to do doesn't require faith. That's good. That's good. To live in the flesh doesn't require faith. To live carnally doesn't require faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So Jesus said that, and because love will grow cold and faith works by love, then guess what love growing cold will do to someone's faith? Now, you can't have love without the love of God in you, so it's talking about Christians. And so we understand that if the word is not preached, which it is in this church, aren't you thankful for a pastor that preaches the word? In fact, he even carries the word in his left hand about the whole time as he paces back and forth. Isn't that right? He preaches the word. And I'm thankful that this is a church that preaches the word. Because if we're not preaching the word, then faith can't come because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And that's what Nikki was talking about is, is we got to let the word get it sink down inside of us and be hearts that are good soil so that the word of God can come, the seed of the word of God can come and be planted in our heart and produce 30, 60, 100 fold. That's what that's talking about. So apparently this will be a problem in the last days that if there's no word preached, then faith can't come. And we want to be people of faith. Why is that important? Because Mark 9, 23 says, if you can believe, all things are what? Possible to him who believes. Mark 10, 27 says, with God, all things are possible. So if you can believe and God is with you and you're with God, then guess what? Anything's possible. That's good news. I don't know why some of you are just staring at me going. That's good news. Your life isn't where you're at it. Guess what? With God, all things are possible. You know somebody that's down and out and they're discouraged and they need with God. All things are possible. Everything that Jesus did on the cross was for us. And he paid for it all right there on the cross. And it's yours and it's mine. We receive this by faith. What can you believe for? Where's your faith? What can you believe for? Maybe you can't believe to have an airplane in your backyard. 
But don't get discouraged by that. Believe for something small. I started out believing for parking spots. This is practicing faith. And I'd go to the Walmarts. I always not like when people put an S on that. Walmarts. Like, how many of you are going to? I, don't you just want to go to one? I go to Walmart. Lord, thank you. Thank you. I've got favor. Lord, that you've got a parking spot for me. And I'd pull around. Whoa, look at that. It's a favor of the Lord right there. And so these little, what I call wins, these little victories of faith. And it's progressive. And then, then the next thing you know, it's, you know, uh, I remember I had heard, actually heard Brother Jerry talking about, uh, I believe it was Oral Roberts said, good things are going to happen to you today. And I was in the airport in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I was flying out to Charlotte, North Carolina, and I had appointments set up in the afternoon, you know, to make money. Well, they canceled my flight. And so to me, this was costing me money. And so I start, oh man, I was upset, you know, and I was complaining. I complained to the, to the guy that was taking the tickets. And I complained to this person over here. I complained to this person over here. As I was walking to the ticket counter, because they got to reissue me a ticket through another airline or whatever, the Lord uh, quickened me and said, uh, didn't you just hear that message? I said, what's that, Lord? Good things are going to happen to me today. I said, do you believe that or not? And sometimes we got to ask ourselves, do I really believe? Jesus said, will I really find faith? So I said, okay, Lord, I, I can do this. <laughs> I got up to that ticket counter. I said, good things are going to happen to me today. And she goes, well, well, that's great. Here, have some candy. And she gave me some chocolates. I go, woo, it's already started. <laughs> well, she booked my ticket, and, they, and, I, and I looked at it. They upgraded me to first class. Now, I wasn't flying first class. This was, this was something. They upgraded me to first class. And, well, I got so excited about that. And I started walking off, and, and I could see this lady over in this other counter was really annoyed with me. Because why? Was I so excited? Why was I in such a good mood? Apparently, this lady hadn't been to Heritage of Faith on a Wednesday night. And so she was, she was struggling with her joy just a little bit. And so I was so excited, I walked off and I go, good thing, and I shouted it. I said, good things are going to happen to me today. Woo! Like that. Right in the middle of the airport. Really loud. And that lady goes... Yeah, like an arrest. I looked back and I thought, boy, isn't that just the devil? That just any time that you start speaking words of faith, he will come immediately to try to steal the word. No, devil. I ain't, I ain't going to receive all that. Well, I got on a plane, flew, flew down first class. Well, since my day was canceled, I thought, well, I'll go to church on Wednesday night. Well, I wanted to, you know... Uh, I didn't have anything to wear, so I, I'm going to go to the, the store. It's probably 5.30. Church starts at 7. Anytime we ever gone out of town or on vacation or whatever, we always try to go to church somewhere. That's just what we do. Right. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm just saying that's what we like to do. We've been to the Bahamas and went to church on Wednesday night. Some people take a vacation, and they, ta- and they think they take a vacation from church. 
I'm thinking, this is life. Where where aren't you going to get life? Where aren't you going to get the words of God that will change your life forever? That's why I think any time that my flesh says, oh, I'm so tired. Whoa. That's when you really know you need to go. (laughs) Well, anyway, I get to this department store and and, um, I'm just thinking about this the whole time. Good things are going to happen to me. So I go in and I'm looking at the, in the sport coat section, and, and I found this sport coat. And I don't remember the name of it, but it was one of those Italian ones. <laughs> Real nice material. Real nice. And it was like, I don't know, like seven dollars $800 for a, for a coat, for like one coat. And, but it was uh, 70% off of 30% off of 40% off of 50% off. So I walked out with that coat for $68, one of those Italian coats, sport coats. And I said, good things are happening to me today. See, it's those little things like that where we just put our faith on these things. We can live this every day. And these are, these are the things where we talk about marvels, come on, and wonders and extraordinary man. Well, how do you think those are going to come? All right. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seven. We walk by faith and not by. This is our walk with God. We walk by faith and not by sight. Some of us need to get our eyesight adjusted on what we see. Now, when I went to college, I had a buddy uh, in high school. His dad was a radiologist, and uh, they owned a, house, a condo on the golf course. So I thought the, 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 the dream would be if I could li- be like him, live on the golf course. This man had a Magnum P.I., Ferrari Testarossa, candy apple red with, you know, with the T-tops and everything, just like Magnum. Now, he didn't look like Tom Selleck, you know, where the... Shorty shorts and the, the perfect mustache. But he had this Ferrari, and I thought, wow, the, the house on the golf course. So it impacted me so much, you know, that uh, when I went to college, I was like, I'm going to be pre-med. I'm going to be a doctor. Because I want a Ferrari Testarossa and a house on the golf course. Real good reasons, right? <laughs> so... I, I, you know, uh, take Chemistry 101, and I make a C in Chemistry 101, and I thought to myself, you know, if I can't make better than a C in Chemistry 101 and like this, I probably shouldn't be a doctor. How many of you like going to doctors who were average in school, and they skated by? You go to the doctor, you say, Doc, I got this pain, but he was very average or slightly below. That doesn't give you the confidence that you desire, does it? So you want someone that would excel in their field. That's who you want. So the second semester, I love chemistry so much that I couldn't get up for my 8 o'clock class for chemistry. And so I missed so many classes that my grades were not worth showing it. Are there any college students in here? Because I do not want this to be... Don't listen to anything I'm saying right now. And uh, so I drop out of that class. Now, I still had to carry 12 
credit hours in order to keep my uh, basketball scholarship. So I was taking 16 credit hours. Chemistry was worth four. I could still drop chemistry and, you know, continue to be eligible. And so uh, I decided I'd be undeclared for, you know. But I thought, well, what kind of doctor, what kind of doctor was I going to be? I, I liked the idea of being a radiologist because they weren't cutting on people. I didn't like the idea of blood or cutting on someone. So I thought to myself, I'll be an optometrist. Because I wore contacts. I have been to the eye doctor. And their job seemed very easy to me. You have to have a soothing voice. The lights go dim. We're going to put this thing up to your face. How many of you wear glasses or you've been to the eye doctor? If you've been to the eye doctor, okay. So you, most of you know what I'm talking about. The mood is set. The, the lights are dim. Now tell me, Eric, which is clearer? One or two? One or two. You have to choose one or two. What's, it's one, doc. Three or four. Three or four. Very soothing voice. Four, doc. Five or six. Five or six. Okay, and you get through that. Then, then he changes all these lenses or whatever. Now the next round, it's a little harder to decide. One or two. One or two. Gosh, I don't know. They both look the same. I, I don't know. I guess one. And so I've done this a number of times because I've had contact since the fifth grade. So, you know, you have to see the doctor, the eye doctor, uh, once a year. They're not giving you your contacts. So it's just a way, Doc, can I just give you the 80 bucks and we don't go through this thing? Can I just, can I just pay you so I can get my contacts? But that's not the way it works. You know, you got to go through. So he comes through with a soothing voice again. One or two. Doc, look, just... Pick all the odd numbers. One, three, five, seven, nine. That's what I'll take. <laughs> and apparently you had to have bad breath to be. Are there any eye doctors in here? No eye doctors. Okay. Whew, praise the Lord. So anyway, when I went in there, my vision was very blurry. When I didn't have my contacts in. But when he began to make these adjustments, right, I could see. When I could get these glasses on or contacts on, everything became clearer. Isn't that the life with God? We walk by faith and not by sight. I wrote this down. In our walk with God, we have to be able to see like God sees. He's with us. We're with him. We must see as he sees. The world will cloud your vision. The word will give your vision clarity. The world will cloud your vision. The word will give your vision clarity. I was sitting in my basement one morning praying in Michigan, and, and uh, I had this. We had this stove, uh, wood pellet burning stove, and uh, you throw. You know, the basements are colder, so. It blows out the heat, and there's fire, and so it creates this ambiance, but, but it's warm. And I'm sitting there praying and, and uh, just, just meditating on the Lord and, and, and thinking big. You know God's a big thinker? His, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. So I, I'm wanting to come up 
to the thoughts of God. I heard Nikki one day talk about, you know, she's like, I went through McDonald's the other day and I just had the thought. Well, that's when McDonald's first came out with the supersize. You know, you had, you had your, your regular fry, then you had your medium, but then you had your supersize. And she's like, you know, I, we got to supersize our thoughts. I thought, boy, that's good. So I preached it the next Sunday and didn't give her credit for it at all. That She's the one that said it. <laughs> but we got to supersize our thoughts so that we can come up to the way God thinks and see how he sees. And so I'm sitting there in my basement, and I look over there, and I see the shadow of a varmint on the wall. Now, this varmint was huge. It was huge. And so I thought, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? And I start looking around. What, what am I going to do? What do I have in here that I could go kill this varmint with? There's a huge varmint in my basement. So I walk over, and I got the fire stoker. I grab the fire stoker, and then I start creeping up on this huge varmint, this, this, this man-eating varmint. And I get over there, and I see that it's a little mouse. And this fire had cast the shadow of the mouse on the wall. And so I try to catch this mouse, and off he scurries and gets away from me. And the Lord spoke to me and said, not everything is as you see it. I thought, wow. Because we have the ability through God and through his word to change our environment. He said to Adam, have dominion. And, 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 and to, that, that means you can change any environment that you walk into. I was listening to a brother, a, a, a preacher that he walks in, in the healing anointing. And he said, I was standing in Burger King and he said, I just felt the anointing come on me. And it was, it was just thick and it was heavy and the anointing came on me and he said, glory! He just shouted it. Well, these two ladies in front of him, <laughs> these two ladies in front of him, they scurried out of the building and hid behind bushes. True story. And the whole place was cleared out. There wasn't many people in there to begin with, but the whole place was cleared out now. And this manager of the Burger King comes up, and, and he recognizes the, the man. He said, oh, brother so-and-so. He recognized him. He says, how are you? Are you hungry? And he had just got done preaching that night. He goes, yeah. He said, what can I get you? How, how about a double Whopper? He oh, yeah, I'll take one of those. How about one of those double cheeseburgers too? Yeah, just give me, give me both of those. So he goes over to sit down. And the manager came over to him and he said, he said, you know, I got to tell you that I heard you preach years and years ago. And it, and it, and it marked me and I, and I knew that I was called. And I've, I've been running from God. And he said, I, I, I want to repent today. I want to make things right. And that was years ago. And he said, now this man's a pastor of a church. And he's been preaching and pastoring a church for years and years. Why? Because the anointing of God changed this whole circumstance, changed this whole environment for this one man whom God had called that had ran. 
And if it weren't for just this one man in that place. And see, that's what me and you, outside of these four walls of the church, you know, people want to go around prophesying to each other in the church. Well, praise the Lord, I'm saved. I mean, but there's people out there that are hurting, that, that they need healing, that they, that they need hope. They're hopeless. And we have, we care, we are the carriers of the anointing of God where we can go and give someone a shot of life. So we can change our environment. In Genesis chapter 15, go there. Is this helping you? This, see, this is how we live. This is, this is how we are to walk in this newness of life. Genesis chapter 15, verse 4. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, Abram, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body will be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven. And count the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And Abram, he believed in the Lord, and and he accounted it to him, God accounted it to him for righteousness. So what, what was God doing here? He was giving Abram a new picture of who he was. The Bible says that we're a new what? creation. Old things are what? Passed away. And all things are now new. So we're to walk in this newness of life. We're to practice it. Walk in it every day. And so in chapter um, 17 in verse 5 he says, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. See, see, God has a name for us. And we shouldn't, we should call ourselves what God calls us. We should see ourselves how God sees us. So what he was doing with Abraham is he was taking him to the eye doctor and, and perfecting his vision. Every time, Abram, that you look at the stars, which is every night, the stars would come out every night. I want you to think about that that's what your descendants are going to be. So every time Abram would go out, he had a picture in his head. He could see it. And when he would close his eyes, because he had gone out and looked at it so much, when he closed his eyes, he could still see it. But then it was in the natural he could see this picture. And God wants to give you a picture, a vision to clarify what he's called you to do. And we're to conduct our lives by that. Why do you think Dr. Savell gets the model of the next airplane that he's believing for and sets it out? Because in your mind, when you, when you close your eyes and you picture it in your mind and then open your eyes and it's not there, but if it's sitting there, well, I can see it with my natural eye. So what's it doing? It's working to clear up my blurry vision. And so that's what he was doing with Abram. 
Look at Genesis chapter 3. Let's look at what... God made man. And in chapter 2, verse 18, or not, not, not that chapter 2. I think it was... Anyway, I'm not sure exactly where it's at, but God brought the animals to Adam to see what Adam would call them. So he was giving man dominion, authority uh, to inhabit this. How do you think that Adam was going to take this Garden of Eden all across the earth? By faith. And so what happened was when chapter 3 when they sinned, in verse 7, it says that the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And then they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. So apparently... They knew what that, if they knew what the sound of the Lord walking in the garden was, that they had walked and talked with God, that this was their life. And in verse 9, the Lord calls him and says, Adam, where are you? And look what he says. I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And here's what God said. Who told you? that you were naked. So when sin came in, it blurred man's vision. It blurred his vision so that man began to see the things in the natural and experience the curse. And so what Jesus did was he came to get our vision back. He came to get our eyesight back that God intended. Are y'all, are y'all following what I'm saying? He came to get our eyesight back of how we're supposed to see things and how we're supposed to live and how we're supposed to walk. See, I, 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 if, if the Bible says that all things are possible to him who believes then that's what I believe. Lord, you said all things are possible. Lord, you said with you, nothing is impossible. Nothing is too difficult for you. So therefore, if I believe, then nothing is too difficult for me because I walk by faith and not by sight. So I'm not moved by what I see. My eyes don't even see that <laughs> because I'm walking by faith with my spiritual eyes because God is daily. And this is the, this is the renew, renewing of the mind process is God is daily conforming our minds to the image that he's put on the inside of us. The conforming, the Bible says, to the image of Jesus till we become a perfect man. Go to Numbers chapter 13. Verse 27. 
They told him and said, we went to a land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. Now, God had already promised them this land, had he not? It's kind of like when God promises things in the word. And we say, I know the word says, but. And the cities are fortified, very large, blah, blah, blah. Verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people and said, let us go up here at once and take possession. We need some Caleb's. We need some Caleb's who will say, let's take possession of this city. Let's take possession of this state. Let's take possession of this country. Let's take possession of this world. He says, we're well able to overcome it. But the man who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. See, we have to allow the words of faith, the words of God to penetrate our unbelief and just believe God. It says, the verse 33, the children of Israel, they gave the children of Israel a bad report. Verse 33, there we saw the giants, and watch this, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. Whose sight? Their own. And so... We were in their sight. Well, how did they know what the, these uh, giants were thinking? They were spying out the land, right? Well, I don't think you spy out the land. You're like hiding behind a bush. You know, you're, you're not going up and doing interviews everywhere. So how did they know what they were thinking? <laughs> so they said, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. There's been times in, in, in my life where... Can, can I tell my story in, in briefly? I grew up in a dom- denominational setting, and everything, n- now that I'm looking back, everything was external, it seemed. It was, you, you know what to do, you do the right things, you, you do the right things. And I knew what to do because I've been taught. It was what Pastor said about mentally assenting to the Word. You get the knowledge, you get the knowledge, and then, but it, but it, but it doesn't go here. And so I knew what to do, but, but then when I'd sin, I would think, oh, man, I, I've, Lord, please forgive me, you know, save me. I've been, I've been born again 798 times <laughs> because, you know, sir, you, know you, you sin and you're, you ain't born again. And it was born again one day, not born again the next. And it was just a tough way to live <laughs> as a Christian. And mom's generation was even worse because, you know, the way she was taught is, well, she didn't, couldn't play basketball because if she wore shorts above her knees, she was going to hell. If Jesus came back and she was in the movie theater, she was going to hell. And so coming up under that, and, but with a heart that, you know, I wanted to do right until I got under someone that was preaching the word of faith. Nikki's dad. And started teaching me about the word of faith. Started teaching me about who I am in Christ Jesus. 
And I learned about that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, I've been given right standing with God. And so God loves me. And it wasn't based on what I could do for him. And once I learned that, and I began to believe that. Now, that's not something that, that I said myself. It's something that God said about me. And so that's something by faith that I had to see about myself. Because what I saw was a struggling failure of a Christian. That's what I saw. And people say, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace and all this. And Well, that's what I saw. I was, I was, just, I was a struggle. Just struggling. And I had this conversation with my wife one day. I said, you know, I just struggle with this thing. And, and, and immediately she goes, well, that's a lie in spirit. I go, what? She goes, that's a lie. You don't struggle with it. You have Jesus Christ on the inside of you, so you are more than an overcomer. You are triumphant in him. And so you're not struggling with it. It's struggling against you. And that's what uh, the Lord told her dad when he was going through cancer in 2011, going through this treatment. And he had gone to the hospital, gotten some tests, and there was a spot, and they weren't looking for that, but they found it. He had blood clots on his lungs. If one of those things bursts, he's done. And so in the process of this, the Lord said, I believe to her sister, said, she says, Lord, I, I need answers. Why, why is my dad struggling with cancer? He said, he said, he's not struggling with cancer. Cancer is struggling against him. And so the fight outward becomes a change of what, how we see inwardly. And so what right believing will do is produce right living in our life. Believing that I'm the righteousness of God will produce right living. Believing that I've been made uh, to sit in the heavenly places with Jesus. And my belief in that. See, I don't say that about myself, but if God says it, then I got to believe it. And then that settles it. Because why? Because God says it and he can't lie. So I believe God, you said, I'm the righteousness of God. So I struggled with this as a Christian growing up. And, and we would, uh, through this process of, of her dad going through these uh, cancer treatments, we, we created these healing scriptures. And so the whole church, we would have 24-hour prayer. So people would get up at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning and confessing these healing scriptures over pastor, not so that we could earn healing for, the, for him, but so that we could all renew our minds to what was already ours or what was already his. See, healing's ours. Jesus already provided it on the cross. I'm not trying to get healing. Jesus has already done it. All my part to do is I just got to believe it. Remind me to come back to this. So I'm in a Panera Bread and I'm sitting there and I see this girl walk in. And, and her legs were bowed in, and she was, she was walking like this, and my heart just melted with compassion. And I thought, oh, I've got to go pray for this girl. And in my mind, I, I, I had this scenario in my mind where I went over and prayed for her, and then 
she began to walk normally and, and she began to shout and dance and run around like the guy, the lame guy at the gate beautiful who, who went walking and leaping and praising God. And all these people were like, what, what, what? And 3,000 people got to say, that's what I was going through in my mind. And so I'm sitting there. I thought, I need to pray for this girl. I need to pray for this girl. And I couldn't move. I couldn't go over and pray for her. It just, oh man, I was just, I was, I was, I was scared. So she grabs her food. She walks outside. I thought, now's the time. I'll walk outside with her and I'll, I'll just ask her if I could pray for her. She gets in her car and I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm sitting there at the window. I'm watching her get in her car. She opens the door. I go, wait, now's my chance. I can go pray for her right now. I thought, no, no, no. She'll think I'm this creeper guy that's trying to come and, and like attack her. And I watch her as she drives away. <laughs> I just begin to cry. And I went to the bathroom and I just cried. I said, Lord, please forgive me. Please forgive me. I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't get out of my chair to go pray for her in front of all these people. Couldn't do it. And the Lord said, I didn't ask you for results. I only asked you to believe. Wow. That's what Jesus said to the 70 that came back. They said, Lord, even the demons are subject to your name. They, in other words, they had gotten good results. But he said, don't rejoice in this, but rejoice that your name is written in heaven. So we made these scriptures so that we could be in unity. You know, there's anointing in unity. Read Psalm chapter, uh, th- th- yeah, 33 talks about the anointing. But there's plenty of, there, there's plenty of scriptures on unity and, and coming together, and they were all in one accord and one, one faith and all this. And so that's what we did. Well, in that process, we made these scriptures about confessions of who you are in Christ. Well, I began to go through this because this was something that I had struggled with growing up and things like this. And, and so I am loved. If he loved me enough to die for me when I was a sinner, how much more than being justified by blood does he love me now? And I would go through these things and I put my name in it. God loves me the same way he loves Jesus. John chapter 17, verse 22. 1 John 4, 16. I know and believe the love that God has for me. Romans, I'm free. Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to me who is in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 1, 7. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Eric has a sound mind. I do not fear. Colossians 1, verse 13, My Father has delivered me from the power of darkness, has translated me into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom I have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And so I learned I'm loved, I'm redeemed, I'm sanctified, I'm righteous. And all of the scriptures that tell you all of these things about you. But we have to believe them. You know, you see people that... uh, Listen, don't, don't, I say this in love to help you, to help us. But people come up and they get prayed for the same thing. The same thing. Well, when are you going to believe? 
when are you going to believe? It's not just a feeling. God, God, there's freedom. There's, there's deliverance. There's power. There's grace to live for him every day. It's an awesome thing. We just, our part is just believe. If I believe that I'm the righteousness of God, can you imagine? Now picture this for a second. I'm almost done. We're seated with him in the heavenly places. Now, now imagine yourself seated with him in the heavenly places. We're talking about walking with God here. So imagine yourself seated with him in the heavenly places and, and saying, saying, hold on, Jesus. And Jesus says, where are you going? Well, I just want to step down because I want to get into some behavior that's way beneath where you have me seated. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense, does it? But that's what the Bible says about us, is that we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We've been getting right standing access to God, that, that we can boldly approach the throne of grace to obtain mercy and grace to what? Help. What's mercy for? When you messed up. What's grace for? To help. Grace helps us to live godly. And so my belief in the fact that I am the righteousness of God. See, I've got to be able to see myself like this. Well, being a business, business guy and feeling the call of God on me to, to make that switch for me was, was difficult. I had to look in the mirror sometimes before I'd go preach somewhere and I'd just say, you are an anointed man of God. God has called you. God has anointed you. And whom he's appointed and called, he's anointed. And I would sit there, you, you are the man of God. God's man for this hour, for this time, for these people. Sometimes you've got to talk to yourself. And, 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 and allow the things that are in your heart to, not the words of doubt and unbelief. Faith comes by what? Who do we hear the most? Ourselves. Is this helping you? See, David got a picture before he went face Goliath, he got a picture. He said, he said, Saul's trying to say, hey, you know, you're just a youth. Whoa, 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 whoa. He said, you're just a youth, and, and this guy's a warrior since his youth. Well, what does God say? Why well, don't feel equipped? What does God say? What does God say? What does he say? About his people. What does he promise? Is he a liar or not? He's not. So David says the same thing that happened when I faced the lion and the bear. What happened to this guy? What was he doing? He was creating this picture. He was speaking words of faith. And he saw this happening before it even happened. So he could get in front of that giant and say, you come to me. And, and notice, when it, if you go read 1 Samuel 17, it talks about that he says, this uncircumcised Philistine. In other words, I've got right standing with God. God's with me. And if God is for me, then who can be what? So I've got all of heaven going with me everywhere. I've got the backing of heaven. 
going with me everywhere I go. And no weapon formed against me shall prosper. My house is covered in the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus marks me as the redeemed of the Lord. I'm sanctified. I'm redeemed. I'm delivered. I'm born again. I'll meet him in the air and I'll live with him for eternity. And nothing shall by any means separate me from the love of God. His love for me is so deep and it's so wide and it's so high. I got to think that this is maybe a little bit of how David encouraged himself. See, we got to get radical. Don't let the devil beat on you. You hear me? You hear me? Don't let him beat on you. I re- I, I'm done. <laughs> and finally, brother. Wait, wait, wait. Not yet. I'll let you know when to clap. <laughs> I wrote this in the front of my Bible. Your dreams must be bigger than your memories. What's God put in your heart? What's he got for you? Let me tell you something. I didn't come down here thinking small. We got something to do here. It's big. Lord, I thank you for your word tonight. Lord, I thank you that your word has brought faith. Lord, I thank you that faith arises in your people. And Father, I thank you that vision becomes clearer. Lord, we believe for it both naturally and spiritually. For clearer vision. Clearer eyesight. Lord, I thank you that we see ourselves how you see us. Oh, God, how great. Just do this right now. Just lift your hands and just begin to thank the Lord for his love for you. Lord, just we, Lord, we just thank, we just pause right now. We thank you for your love for us. Oh God, we thank you for your mercy, your grace. Lord, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes us and cleanses us and makes us white as snow. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. And right now, by the anointing of God, I break every stronghold of the mind that would come against minds in Jesus' name. That would come against minds to remind you of your past. Every stronghold. Lord, we, we break those things right now in the name of Jesus by the anointing of God. In Jesus' name. We are free. Say, I am free. I am free.
we are free to live for you. And we thank you for it, Father. Thank you, Father. Bless your holy name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Let's just, just pray in the Holy Ghost just for a minute. Just for a minute. Come on. Press in just for a minute. There's a, there's a wave of peace coming on you right now. You're not going to be worried about that thing anymore. Oh, man. The Lord's saying, I'm taking care of that. You know, we, we have angels that get dispersed on our behalf. And Father, we thank you right now for warring angels that take care of that thing. And I thank you, Lord, that your peace, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds. And I thank you, Lord, that joy bubbles up in the heart of your people. Lord, your people will walk with joy. And we thank you for it. Renewed strength in the name of Jesus. Well, if you believe that tonight, will you say amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.